grab those and turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. And while you're turning in your Bibles, just, just for fun and just out of curiosity, can I see the hand of every individual who at one time, some point in your life, you attended Lee College or Lee University? Can I see your hands? I see one over here. I see one over here. I think there's some in the back. So we've got a couple here today. As you would well know, those of you who are Lee alumni, if, if you went to chapel, now those of you who didn't go to chapel, you might not know this, but chapel was required when I was going there. I only went one semester and then I transferred back out to West Coast Bible College. But at Lee University, you were required to go to chapel. And at the conclusion of every chapel service, there was a benediction that was prayed there. Everyone memorized it. They knew it. They didn't have to get their Bibles out. And so I'd like for the people who just raised your hand saying that you attended Lee University, would you just stand up right wherever you are and when you quote this passage of Scripture with me, just stand where you are. I know who you are and I know where you are. Just stand up and let's say it together. For those of you who can't quote it, read it in verse 14, chapter 19, the book of Psalm. You guys ready? Here we go. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. Thank you for your help. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture and for the power that is found in it. I'm thankful that it's a part of me at this point in my life. I've memorized it, I've quoted it, I've spoken it, I've said it so many times. I don't ever want to let the power of this passage escape me. I want to see the reality that it, that it presents to my life. And I pray that as I speak today and as I share some information about this passage of Scripture, as you have revealed it to me, I pray, Lord, that you will... Uh, that you will help it to grab a hold of our soul and our spirit, and that we will live by it and live it out in our lives. I pray for every heart and every individual that is here today, that you would speak to them and that you would touch them and you would help them to know by faith that you, Lord, are our strength and you are our Redeemer. I ask it, Lord, in Jesus' lovely name, amen and amen. Now, Psalm chapter 19 is an interesting psalm. It kind of moves around in a lot of different veins of thought. It begins, for instance, in the beginning of the chapter, talking about how that the earth speaks to the glory of God and how that it cannot be silenced. The word that comes forth from the sun and from the moon, though it be silent, it speaks to the glory of God. So God has created an atmosphere in this world where if we will look for it, we can see his glory and we can see and obtain the revelation of God as he gives it. Then you move down a little bit further and it talks about the law of the Lord. And he begins by saying the law of the Lord is perfect and it revives the soul and the testimony of the Lord is sure. And there are several statements right there in the middle of the psalm 
that talks about the law of the Lord. Now, when we say the law of the Lord, we're not talking about a bunch of rules and regulations, but we're talking about literally the precepts of God and and the way that we are to live our life out in conjunction with the Word of God. And then you get down to verse 12. It talks about doing some inner uh, searching in our heart. It says, who can discern his own errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. And let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then verse 14 is what many scholars call the great benediction. So in other words, the psalmist here is talking about all these various things. And then he brings it all to a close by saying, Now Lord, I'm asking you to let the words of my mouth... And the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Now let me ask you this morning, how many of you, and you don't have to raise your hands, just think about this, how many of you live a significant part of your life giving a place in your life to negativity, to doubt? You think negative thoughts. You, you doubt about certain circumstances and situations. You often catch yourself saying things that are not full of faith, but really they're full of doubt. Let me remind you that Scripture says that if we entertain doubt and live by doubt, that we can't expect to ask anything from the Lord and expect Him to do it for us because the doubt is overshadowing our faith. And we all have moments like that. We all have seasons, if you will, in our life where we have questions about the the whole life cycle, the whole thing about life, and we wonder about this and that. Let me just tell you that God is not afraid of your questions. He's not intimidated by it, and He is aware that we all at times have questions that we're searching for answers for. And he understands that and he knows that. And what the psalmist is trying to tell us here is that in the midst of doubt, in the midst of questions, in the midst of frustration, we have to play a role in getting victory over those things. And one of the ways that we do that is by intentionally speaking words of faith and by intentionally meditating on things of faith And doing them in such a way that God is pleased and can accept them and receive them. And when we do those things, then He becomes our strength and He becomes our Redeemer. We sang this morning that nothing is impossible with Him. God literally can redeem anything in our lives that needs to be redeemed. You say, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I've lived. You don't know this, that, or the other. It doesn't matter. God is aware of it. And God will not turn you aside if you call upon His name and you believe by faith and you meditate upon the words of the Lord. Nothing shall be impossible for those who believe. Can you say praise the Lord this morning? But we have to cooperate with God. You know, I I have discovered that particularly in the Pentecostal charismatic world, 
We have a tendency to believe that God is just going to zap us with the miracle and we're not going to have to do anything ever. That we just raise our hands up, throw our head back, open our mouth, and somehow some kind of manna from God is going to come and consume us and, 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 and just create this environment where everything is done without any involvement on our part. That is not true. We have to interact with the Spirit of God. We have to do what God has called us to do in order to get the result that we're hoping for. So how do we do this? Well, the first thing that I would like to suggest to you is that it needs to be very important to us that the words of our mouth are acceptable to Him. I'm not talking about you just getting on some kind of tirade and cussing somebody out and all that kind of thing. I'm talking about our words that we, that we plant into our faith. The other night, we went to the football game, mail and manual, and we were sitting on the manual side. And listen, I, I'm, you know, I've heard people cuss, and it's not that, you know, it, I can live with that. I really can. We were sitting with a group there from Spirit Life, and, and we were up in, in, the, in the stands, and we're rooting on manual because of Ben playing on the team. And by the way, they lost a heartbreaker by one point. Um, and missed a couple of field goals that could have given, given them the win. But hey, life happens, right? But there was a guy behind us and a guy to my left that could not hardly speak a sentence or two at a time without throwing in some of the most vulgar language that, that I have heard in a while. Now again, I know that some of you, well, you're one of those holy guys that sit in a church office all the time and you're not, I hear it every day. Hey, I hear it more than you'd like to think. But the, the point that I'm making is, is that I'm not really talking about that kind of thing. I would have preferred that they not do it because right behind me was a lovely family sitting with two young children and those children were having to hear the language that was being spoken. I almost said something about it, and I looked down the row, and Jonathan was there, and Neil Smith was there, and I, or Neil Smith, I'm sorry, Neil Davis was there. I have a friend named Neil Smith who's walking streets of gold today. Neil Davis was there, and I thought, you know, we're all pretty good-sized guys. I believe we could take him. And, and, and then it just dawned on me that I didn't see the commitment in Neil's eyes or in Jonathan's eyes. And so I thought, well, maybe we'll just let him cuss. You know, maybe, maybe it'll be all right. Uh, we're going to be out of here in a little bit anyway. I'm not really talking about that, but what I am talking about today are the words that come out of our mouths that feed doubt rather than feeding faith. The words that we speak are extremely important in our lives. In fact, I want to show you what the Lord spoke to me this week about our words. Our words really represent the seed that we are planting into our lives and our circumstances. Our words come forth from our mouths and they will land somewhere in some manner. And so it's important for us to choose words that will bring faith and will bring possibility. And when all we do is foul mouth our situations and talk negatively about our life, 
negatively about our job, negatively about our spouse, negatively about our children, negatively about our church, negatively about our pastor, negatively about our president, negatively about our governor, negatively about, and I could go on and on and on, if we have a tendency to post on Facebook and Twitter and speak with our mouth words that are not promoting faith, then those words and that communication is not going to be acceptable to God. So our word is the seed that goes into the ground. Now, I I read a theological uh, debate, if you will, if you want to call it that this week, that asked the question, which is first? Is our meditation first or is our word first? And I began to think about that. And technically... Our meditation comes first because of the way that we are made. Our brain has to process information before it can cause us or before we can put our words together in an intelligent way so that they come forward. But in a, in a spiritual sense, the Word of God that is in us oftentimes has to come forth before we can understand how to meditate upon it. Now remember, when God created the heavens and the earth at the very beginning of time, it says that he said, that he spoke. Words came out of his mouth, if you will. And because of the words that came out of the mouth of God, then something was created. If you go over to John chapter 1... Verse 1, it says, And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So he says, in the beginning there was Word. So now remember, we're not living in the flesh. The flesh would say, I have to think about it first, and after I think about it, I can say it. But we're not living in the flesh, we're living in the spirit. So now, spiritual-minded people have the ability and the anointing then to sow a word, to sow a seed before our spirit can even understand what it is that we're sowing into the situation. So we have to speak something first Before we have the ability to meditate on it. So for some of us, we need to just start speaking differently than we're speaking now. Instead of fussing with your spouse all the time, why don't you tell them how much you love them? Instead of complaining and griping about this or that situation, why don't you just praise the Lord that we have the opportunity to live in a world that is as wonderful as this world is? Instead of questioning God about every circumstance that faces your life, we've got to learn how to say, Lord, even though I may not understand what it is that you're trying to do, I believe in you and I trust in you, and so I'm going to accept your will for me my life, and I'm going to speak it in Jesus' name. You say, well, pastor, did you fall into the, you know, the name it, claim it, you know, mentality? I'm talking about just agreeing with God is what I'm trying to talk about. 
I'm not saying that you or I, either one, will wake up tomorrow with a gold-plated Cadillac. I don't know. But I do know that God has given us the revelation of His will for our lives. And if we will agree with what God has to say about a situation, then we can plant seed where that seed is necessary. So stop talking about being sick. Stop talking about being frustrated. Stop talking about being discouraged. Stop talking about being tired. Stop talking about how much you hate having to turn the clock back. Stop talking about, you know, dreading in the next season of having to spring it back forward. Stop talking about all that and say, God, whatever it is that you put into my life, whatever your will is, Lord, I'm just thankful to be alive and thankful to be a part of it. I'm thankful for my husband. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful for my pastor. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for everything that you have placed in my life. I'm telling you that there is power in your words. Your words can either make you or break you in the spiritual realm. So he says, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. And then he says, Lord, let the meditation of my heart, the things that I think about. You know, our mind has the ability to think about all kinds of things simultaneously. Some of you are listening to me preach while simultaneously saying, I'm so tired and I could take a nap right now if, if he'd just talk a little less loudly. Some of you are listening to me preach and you are simultaneously thinking about how crowded the restaurant is going to be after church. Some of you are already trying to determine whether or not you want roast beef or chicken, corn on the cob or green beans. Listen, we have the ability, our minds do, to think about multiple things simultaneously. But now this word meditation is a very important word because it is a word that instructs us that there are times that we have to take all the noise in our brains and the noise in our minds and, and shut it down so that we can meditate upon the things that God may be trying to speak to us in a particular moment or season of life. Our mind can just get over flooded with too many things. And so what he is saying here quite literally is, he's saying, Lord, I want to plant a seed with my words that I can then meditate upon so that my spirit can be soothed through the tool of meditation that is connected to the words of my mouth. How many of you have ever raised a garden? Can I see your hands? Good. I, I just had my grass overseeded at my yard. Uh, I had a terrible looking yard. It had a lot of weeds in it. In fact, I had more weeds than I had grass. And through that, throughout this year, I've been at working with a guy to get rid of the weeds and kill them all out. And basically, by the time of the year, I had a brown piece of ground out front of my house. There weren't weeds and very little grass and all that. It really looked terrible. And I asked this guy about overseeding my yard. And he said, yep, we can do it. It's not too late. And uh, he said, you'll be mowing it before the year is out. 
And so he came and he had one of those overseeding machines. You know, it goes down in there and it creates the holes in the ground and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and when I got home, I saw all this, you know, the, the, the plugs and all that kind of stuff in my yard. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, praise the Lord. It's been the seed has been sown into the ground. And from that point forward, every day, I would think about that grass. I'd visualize it. I'd think about the day when the first blade was going to stick its little head up out of the ground and acknowledge that there was life there. And I can remember thinking, now I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but church, I walked through my yard and prayed for every seed that was in that yard. Lord, I paid for these seeds. I want them to spring up. I want to see some fruit. Lord, we worked hard to make this happen. I pray for them. I pray that they will germinate. I pray that before this year is over, that there will be grass to look at. Now, listen, this is not what I did not do. I did not stand out there and say, oh God, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, this was a hot summer and the ground is awfully hard. And I know how Kentucky is. We never have much of a fall or much of a spring. It just goes from summer to winter and from winter to summer. And somewhere in between there, there's about two or three days of fall and spring. God, don't let my grass get frozen. I'm praying over it. Here's what I did not do. I did not get a shovel and go out there in the yard and dig it up to try to protect it. I did not say, oh, it's not going to work. No, instead, I prayed for it. God, we're going to have grass next year. It's going to look good, God. It's going to be wonderful. I put water on the seed so that the water could come up. He said, you got to water it every day. He said, don't just think it needs water. Actually put water on the seed so that it can germinate. And I was out there and I was watering my grass when it was 98 degrees outside. My neighbors were thinking I was absolutely crazy. But what they did not know is that I had sown a seed that I wanted to bear fruit. And I didn't care what anyone else thought about it. I wanted the seed that I sow to, to bring forth fruit. And that some of us need to start watering it. Some of us need to start talking about it. Some of us need to paint a picture of our head, in our head as to how our circumstance is going to change uh, when the seed that has been sown uh, begins to bring forth fruit from the seed uh, that is in the ground. So I don't know. I don't know if we're going to make it or not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how we're going to make it financially. I don't know how we're going to make it physically. I don't know. I'm emotionally drained. I don't know. Listen, your ears are hearing what your mouth is saying. And your ears carry your words and what you say into your soul and into your soul and your spirit. And it hears what you're saying. And what you need to do is say, soul, I want you to hear something positive for a while. I want you to hear something uh, that is good for a while. I want you to start believing uh, that all things are possible to those who believe, uh, and I'm one of those kind of people. I believe that it is possible. Meditation. Now, here, here's how I'm going to say this, because I think you'll understand this. 
All seed needs something to fertilize it. How many of you know that the best fertilizer on the planet is manure? It's, it's cow poop. It, it's, it's something like that. It's manure. So here's what I'm trying to say to you. The more manure that you have in your life, the greater prospect for fruit that you can look forward to. And say, well, my life is full of manure. Well, praise God. <laughs> Sniff it and move on. Say, God is about to spring forth a, a crop of fruit that's going to come forth out of this nasty situation. He said, oh, flies might be flying around your manure. There might be birds trying to pick the, the seeds up out of it and picking up the worms out of it. I mean, your manure may be a big mess. But listen, if you'll use your manure to feed your seed, then fruit will come forth. Don't be afraid of your manure. I dare you to tweet that today. Don't be afraid of your manure. The manure in your life, the mess in your life can be used by God to bring about a great harvest in your lives. So how do you do that? How do you make your manure work for you? You think about it. You just think about that in light of what God has to say about your circumstance. Now see, the, 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 the meditation part has to go hand in hand with the seed part. So what seed did you sow? Did you seed, sow a seed of faith over your finances? Then you need to meditate on you can, how you can change your finances. Did you sow a seed believing for physical healing in your body? Then you need to meditate upon the word of God that says, by his stripes I'm healed. I'm going to live. I'm not going to die. The, the healing is the, is, is the children's bread. I'm whole because of Jesus Christ. You need to begin to meditate. And while you're meditating, let those words of faith slip out of your mouth so that your spirit can hear them come out. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Speak the word of God into your situation. Speak it into them. You don't know how many times I've prayed for my kids and say, Lord, when they were babies, we dedicated them to you. We, we brought them and we dedicated them to you. The devil cannot have them. I know they have a free will. I know they've got to make their own choices. I know that they have to choose to serve you. I can't make them. They can't live on my faith. But God, I dedicated them to you. I have prayed over them all their lives. I have covered them with faith. I have taken the word of God and I've sown it into their lives in such a way that when they are in a place of crisis, the word of God and faith is going to spring up in them and they are going to find their way to you. Stop giving up. Stop letting the devil have what is not rightfully his to take from you. Now here's the, the last point that I want to make. He said, he said, let the words of my mouth and let the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, 
O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, here's where the problem comes in for many of us. We don't want to do God's will. We don't want to do it. Why? Because it's hard. It, it takes effort. We have to do something. Again, we Pentecostals, la, 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 Some of you won't get that. We just want God to do it without us having to do anything. But how many of you know it just simply does not work that way? So what I have to do as a child of God is I have to say, Lord, my words and the meditation upon that faith and upon that word and upon that seed that has been sown into the ground, my meditation upon it has to be acceptable to you. So how can I ask God to do something in my life if I am disobeying the very commands of God? I'm not trying to be mean today. But I'm just simply trying to tell you, if you want the breakthrough in your life that you're open for and praying for, you're going to have to start obeying the word of the Lord. For every area of your life, and you've heard me say this a hundred times since I've been your pastor, there are areas of our life primarily that affect us. First, physically, these bodies. Second, emotionally where our soul resides. Our spirit, where the spirit of God resides. Financially is a concern of ours. These areas affect us on a daily basis. And for every one of those areas of life, God has provided a promise that says, I will give you the resource that you need in that given situation. If you're discouraged and depressed and down and out, I will give you my joy. I will give you my peace. The peace of God that passes all understanding will be yours if you will believe me and believe what my word says. Finances. Are you broke? Are you struggling? Are you having a hard time? The Bible says that if you will give, you shall receive. That he'll press it down, pack it together, and he'll roll it out into your life, into your bosom, through the hands of other people. If you'll pay your tithe, he's faithful. He will pay you back for your obedience. I'm telling you, the Lord has been so good to me in all areas of my life, but it only happens when we obey, when we agree, when we say, Lord, according to your will, I will speak these words and I will meditate upon these things. So he says, they have to be acceptable in your sight. Did you ever find yourself having to forgive somebody that you didn't want to forgive? I don't want to forgive them. They were mean to me. They said things to me that hurt my feelings. So you can hold it in your spirit all you want to, but you will never find victory over it until you are willing to forgive. So you forgive one time, and then they do it again, and you say, well, I tried it. That doesn't work. But what about forgiving 70 times 7 every day? I think that's 490 times every day. Now, some of you have a calculator that you carry around. You say, that's one. That's two. 
That's three. That's four. I forgive you again. That's five. And when you get up to 491, you're not going another step further. Let me tell you that God's not asking you to keep track of the number. He's saying whatever it takes for you to forgive that person, forgive them so that freedom can be yours. It's got to be acceptable in his sight. Then he said, Lord, you're my strength and you're my redeemer. I want to close. I want the singers to come back. I want to close with a passage of Scripture over in Mark. Because, listen, I don't want you to think that I'm preaching out of a sense of perfection. I'm not perfect. I I deal with these things just like you deal with these things. I, I struggle with all this and my words and my meditation all the time. Just like you do. But it's so important that we get this under control and that we have faith as our baseline. I want you to go over to Mark chapter 9. And I want you to look at verse 14. The Lord Lord really spoke to me about this passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 9 verse 14. It says, And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. You ought to mark that in your Bible. Scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, what are you arguing about with them? That's what he asked them. And someone from the crowd answered him and said, teacher, I brought my son to you. For he has a spirit that makes him mute, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening in him? And he said, from childhood. It has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, if you can... All things are possible for one who believes. And immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him. And never enter into him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now I want to point something out to you about this situation. I want you to pay close attention 
to the atmosphere that was ruling the house. The atmosphere that was obvious to everyone that was there. It was a spirit of argument that was flooding the environment. Isn't that what it says? When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes were arguing with them. And when Jesus spoke to the disciples, he said to them, what are you arguing about? And this week, it just came to me that the people who were making these negative arguments were the scribes. Now, do you know who the scribes were? The scribes were the ones who wrote down what was taking place. NBC, CBS, Fox News. You want me to keep going? They were the scribes. They were keeping track. And then they were interpreting what they were seeing with their eyes happening. They were interpreting it for the people who were listening. And they were arguing with the people of God. You can't believe that. Look, we've written it down. You can't believe that. It's not that way. We've written it down. You can't believe like that. And what they did is they caused the disciples to stop praying and stop fasting and start believing what the scribes were blowing into their minds. You see where I'm going with all this? We live in a world where the media is alive 24 hours a day. And it is addictive in nature. I know people that sit and watch news channels all day long. And they're listening to what the scribes are saying about this world and our circumstances. But let me tell you something. They will never be in agreement with what God has already declared to be truth for His kingdom and for His people. It's not just news media. Sometimes you got people in your life and they say, oh, you can't believe that. Surely you don't believe that. How could that be true? Oh, if that were true, then this wouldn't be happening. If that were true, that wouldn't happen. If, if God were really a God of love, then these kids wouldn't be abused. And if God were a God of caring and love, then these wars wouldn't take place. And if God was a God of love, then people would not die. He'd heal everybody. But listen, I'm telling you, God has a plan. Uh, and he doesn't care what any of the scribes uh, and the unbelievers of this world has to say. He's going to stick to his plan because ultimately in the long run uh, his plan uh, will prevail. Amen. So what am I saying to you today? I'm saying that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart needs to be acceptable in His sight. I don't know if you saw this in the news this week, and boy, I, 
I really try my best not to get political. I really do. You know, I, I, I really believe that the Word of God can overcome any political belief system, any opinion that, that we've ever seen. But in recent weeks, there's been a, a lot of negativity about a decision that our president made about pulling our troops out of a particular area of the world. And I don't know if you know this individual, but her, she is the daughter to Billy Graham. And someone asked, someone, I don't remember her name right off the top of my head. Who? Thank you. Ann Graham Lotz. Someone was asking her about that. And how can you support a president who would do something like that? And without missing a beat, she said, there is a war that is described in the Bible that has not yet been fought. And it's a, it's a war between Gog and Magog. And most people believe that Russia will be involved in that final war. But as long as we had troops in that area, in that region, Russia could not position themselves for this war. And she came back with a question and said, what if God used this president to clear that area out so that Russia could move into the region and be positioned for the war that will end all wars and end this world as we know it. <laughs> Everybody just looked at her like she had lost her mind. But see, here's a woman of God who says, listen, I don't care what the scribes say. I don't care what Fox says. I don't care what CNN says. Don't care what NBC says. Don't care what CBS says. Don't care what any of them say. All I care about is what has God said about this situation. I'm going to believe it 100% of the time. Because God's Word will never fail His people. Will you stand with me this morning? Oh my goodness. I could preach about another half hour, Danny. I really could. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling strong. No, I'm not going to do that to you because I know you're... You're craving chicken. But here's what I hope that you'll get out of this message. God has a plan. He has revealed His will to us very clearly in His Word. It's not hard for you to speak in agreement with the Word of God. You just have to choose to do it. It's not hard for you to meditate upon those words and those seeds that have been sown. Sometimes it might mean that we have to turn the TV off. Sometimes it means we have to go to another room somewhere and get alone with God. Sometimes it means we have to prioritize His Spirit and give Him a place in our lives. But whatever it takes, let me tell you, church, your mouth will make a difference in your victory. And your meditation will make a difference 
and whether or not you'll be encouraged or discouraged, whether you'll be full of faith or full of doubt, what you think on will make a world of difference. Now, here's how I want to close today. I won't call you up front. I won't do all that kind of thing. This is going to be, for some of you, it's going to be hard to do this because it's going to require both hands. But what I want us to do this morning is I want us to lay our hands upon our mouth and I want us to lay our hands upon our brain and I want us to rededicate those both.